Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Hey, welcome, everybody. All right, we're talking about mania and maniacs. <laughs> you know, uh, mania is something that many people don't really comprehend or understand. And what I'm going to try to do is break out how people get to mania, what are the signs they get to mania, what does mania look like? What is the diagnosis? Why is there a diagnosis? Because mania is is really a very destructive, oftentimes, state of energy. Now, sometimes people can take that energy and do great things with it if they're highly creative. They can be very productive when they're normally not productive, clean the whole house, paint the whole house, do things that, that are Herculean that they haven't done in years. Some people get into those states and become very, very productive, and that could be a good thing. However, it's a state, really, that we have to watch out for because if it comes at the wrong time with the wrong impulse, with the wrong ideas, without any boundaries, what will often happen is we tend to blow all our money or we mortgage our home or we take vacations that we can't afford. We do all kinds of crazy decision-making that's made emotionally. And all of our decisions that are made emotionally, we often regret. Uh, we often second guess, and the decisions that we make in our logical state are decisions that we often feel like we can trust or we did as best as we could with what information that we had. So what is this mania? Mania is basically a state of elevated energy, mood, and behavior, and, and usually it's seen in the people with bipolar and uh, schizoaffective disorder who have taken certain drugs or medications and, and while the feelings present mania can be positive, energetic, and even euphoric, they may also come in a more negative, like emotions like irritation, anxiety, grandiosity, argumentative. You know, it also can range from mild, known as hypomania, to severe. And people usually with what's called a bipolar one disorder is usually a person who's not going to be able to hold a job very often. The person with the bipolar 2 is going to be moody and foul-tempered and oftentimes unpredictable, but they're functional. And so there's many, many degrees of what can be determined as a bipolar. But, you know, these people with bipolar 1, with the severe part of, of uh, mania, have the most extreme. They, they can trigger delusions, violence, increased risk of suicide, depending on the cause. And a manic episode can last anywhere from several days to several months. And it's typically, it, it increases each time in its severity. And so uh, at the level of agitation, as, as it progresses, once it progresses, it hits different levels. And once our brain is used to those levels, it gets used to going back to those levels and even pushing the threshold farther. 
You know, milder mania is more likely to be associated with positive outcomes, like increased productivity or greater feelings of optimism. However, the impulsive behaviors associated with a manic state can lead to substance abuse, which we all have to be so careful about. Unnecessary risks, poor financial decisions, that impulsivity can really make somebody's life a crazy maker. Now, bipolar one is the one possible cause of mania because cycles of depression are much more common with the disorder. So what happens is with the bipolar one, the most severe part of uh, bipolar is that person, once they hit a depressive state, they want to make a lot of decisions to get out of that state. Unfortunately, they're depressed. So the decisions they make often are very uh, uh, last second, uh, last gaps, last moment type of decisions. And they have a tendency to be desperate and they have a tendency to be highly charged emotionally, which all of that is a formula for disaster. And when they have a, 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 a diagnosis of bipolar one, there's also episodes of uh, hypomania, which is the lower, uh, uh, less less effective, affective part of uh, of mania. There's also more commonly associated milder bipolar two, which is a more functional bipolar. And when mania is accompanied by delusions or, or psychosis-like symptoms or schizoaffective disorder is more likely to be diagnosed in that. And so there's a lot of mixture and a lot of dual diagnoses that come along with mania. Hypomania literally means under mania. It's a temporary state of, of productivity and uh, uh, positivity that lasts at least four days. While hypomania results in noticeable changes in person's behavior and energy, it doesn't reach the same severe shifts in mood and activity that characterize a full-blown manic episode. So when hypomania appears alongside depression, it may indicate the presence of a bipolar disorder, but it's more likely a bipolar 2, which is the milder version. You know, when people are in the middle of a manic episode, they suffer from delusions and hallucinations oftentimes. Some common examples include delusions of grandeur, like believing you're famous or you're a god or you're chosen by God or you're Jesus or the devil, uh, publicly important, uh, persecutor, paranoid delusions. These are things that come out of people in these manic states, and that's the type of delusions of grandeur that they come up with. You know, the, the other people want think they're being spied on or followed. Some people are jealous and or have jealous delusions of being convinced that your partner's cheating on you, and delusions of of uh, reference, thinking that random events hold a special significance for you alone. And so, if we think during a manic episode, some may, may may experience delusions of grandeur, but an inflated sense of their own self-importance or the mistaken belief that they are invulnerable or superior to others, the rush of creativity and confidence they feel can be really heady, making them feel less likely to seek out treatment for hypo or uh, mania or hypomania. And the other thing is, if they have a criminal bent, they have a tendency to see themselves above everyone, and <clears throat> their criminal proficiency will become bolder and greater, and they will take more chances. And honestly, no way. There's no, there's really no cure for this either. And steps can be taken to reduce it, possibly avoid triggering an episode, 
But the treatment for mania really involves a mood stabilizer like lithium or, or some kind of anti-psychotic uh, such as uh, respiradone. You know, psychotherapy is also recommended to help patients uh, learn about their skills and the signs that, that mania is coming. And also adopting healthy lifestyle strategies like sleeping well, exercising regularly, maintaining a, a healthy diet. That can lower the risk of a future manic episode. And, they, you know, they can be marked by bursts of higher or uh, self-esteem, productivity. Episodes of mania are also thought to be sources of heightened creativity. And so some artists thrive on that. They, they want to credit a manic episode for their best work. Some evidence suggests that bipolar is more prevalent among the creative professions, actually. But though mania can have positive outcomes, including an increased goal-directed activity, the syndrome can be dangerous, particularly as it severely increases. So some people who view mania as a source of their creative hesitate to seek treat out treatment for fear that it will dampen their creative spirit. But appropriate treatment, usually combining medication with psychotherapy, can hurt, curb the more dangerous symptoms while continuing to nurture their creative activity. And it's not uncommon for manic episodes to spur creativity. You know, look at Van Gogh or, or Sir Isaac Newton or Mozart or Edward, Edward Allan Poe, who are all believed to have been bipolar. And the tremendous energy and grandiosity and the sense of productivity that people experience during their, their manic episodes can be beneficial for our creative process. However, people often mistake the way they feel with the mania for a sudden surge of creativity and skill when in fact their creativity never left them. With practice, a person can learn to be creative without the manic episodes. You know, also creative people who have manic episodes are far more likely than the average person to experience mood swings, depression, and addiction. And so their depressive symptoms can range from mild to severe, may last for months out of the year. And unlike when they are simply not manic, being depressed tends to dampen the person's creativity. What makes someone really a great creative uh, person may lead to suicidal thoughts and impulses if they were once great in their manic episodes and then now they're just average or mediocre when they're not in their creative episodes of mania and some people convince that they have to have that to fuel their creativity so some people fear that treating their mania will lose their ability to be creative however someone in the throes of a manic episode is likely to have difficulty focusing on their thinking may also become more rapid and chaotic making it hard to work creatively and and be consistent so research shows that people with bipolar are more creative when their symptoms are mild or absent rather than during the episode itself. During a manic episode, most people become irritable and more prone to disagreement also, and this can create tension in relationships. Alternatively, they also exhibit hypersexuality. Wow. Yes, pursuing opportunities for sexual intimacy, either inside or outside of their relationship. And that behavior, recklessness, promiscuity, gambling, excessive drug use, overspending, what do you think? Why do you think Vegas, what stays in Vegas, what isn't happens in Vegas, stays in Vegas? That is the capital of the world for mania. People go there and lose their minds. It can also manifest as increased irritability that results in a person being on edge, treating others harshly, 
elevated libido that frequently accompanies manic episodes can lead to risky sexual behavior with consequences like VD, like, you know, an STD that may show up later. And guess who you might pass that on to? Somebody you're committed to. You know, since relationships with mania are of higher risk for separation or divorce, couples best cope with bipolar disorder and manic episodes with the help of professional support, group support for themselves, so that they can recognize signs and intervene. So these people can have relationships, and they can be managed, but it has to be done more as a family, more as a spouse-to-spouse type of thing or a friend-to-friend and we have to have friends and children and other people who are a subsystem of support that can surround us and recognize what bipolar looks like in a particular person so they can help waylay the damage that that person can make. And it can be hard to know what to do when a loved one shows signs of mania or hypomania. Having a practical understanding of, of the challenges can help you and your loved ones set realistic expectations for behavior. So there is hope. There really is. And when a loved one becomes manic, don't take it personally. Try to avoid using patronizing or or, or uh, somewhat uh, uh, passive-aggressive statements with them because they're going to go off on you, and they're going to read those statements, and they're going to read into those statements, and they're going to get angry. So we have to be very, very careful about how all this takes place. And it's very important for all of us to understand that we need to respect a person who has a mental health issue like mania because we can help them. We need to be compassionate with them. We need to be as helpful as we can to help them manage their lives. You know, a manic episode is a distinct period of abnormal, persistently elevated, expansive, irritable moods that lasts at least a week in a bipolar one. Manic episodes usually begin abruptly and last for between two weeks and four to five months. And and the, the most uh, often seen is about four months. And so the, the, it usually affects about 1% of the population and it's usually associated with bipolar or manic depression. Bipolar disorder, formerly known as manic depression, is a mental health condition where a person will experience extreme mood swings, including emotional highs, like I was talking about before, mania, hypomania, and lows, which is depression. It's also important for us to understand that there's all kinds of episodes and, and, and with those kind of symptoms, with mania, every person experiences it different. And so as a family history, we really have to become familiar with what those manic things look like in our particular partner who has this. And this can include a lot of stressful life events that can trigger this kind of stuff, the mania, like the death of a loved one, uh, a loss of a job, a financial strain, a breakdown of a marriage, an illness. All these kind of things can actually trigger mania in an individual. So we have to be very respectful of the idea that these folks are on the brink at any moment, given their health, their history, how well they're taking care of themselves, and the events that are taking place in their life that they perceive to be out of control. You know, when considering the symptoms of mania, it's important to take into account the person's typical behavior. 
some of the symptoms of mania may be the use, uh, usual behaviors displayed by a, an individual. Therefore, they may not necessarily be linked to experience manic episodes. But here's a very explosive scenario that can be very, very hard to handle. Number one, if a person had some sense of money being come into and that relative who had the money passes and passes that money on to a bipolar person, as they've entered into their deepest stage of grieving and they're highly emotionally charged, they may have a tendency to use whatever money is given to them and just blow it on anything that makes them happy in their manic state. And so what may happen is that, that that receiving the money can actually induce a manic episode full of creative possibilities. And that person will obsess on those possibilities. And so we have to be very careful if a bipolar person is receiving money from an estate and going through grieving at the same time of someone they really, truly love. That is a, an explosive situation that all of us must help prepare for. Now, what are the things to look for? Number one, we talked about many of these before, but irritability and hostility. That's a person experiencing mania, displaying a lot more irritability than usual. They may be quick to start arguments, easily annoyed, and and, and even their environment creates problems like driving. It may create maybe other drivers are driving them crazy. Also, Overly energetic, someone experiencing, and by the way, these are not all, you're not going to get all of these at once. Some of these, you'll get like four of them. Um, like overly energetic people, someone experiencing manic episode may become restless, search for ways to work off their surplus energy, try to attempt to do a whole lot of things, take on several different projects, experiencing bursts of productivity, but likely never getting any of it done. They also, they become very talkative, more than usual. A common symptom of mania is that the person may be talking loud and rapidly. And it's important to note that this should be different from their normal volume. Uh, the speed of talking, as many people talk out loud, fast normally, but would not be considered expressing mania. Also, they're easily distracted. Yes, does that sound like ADHD? Maybe that's an ingredient of why they're bipolar. You know, during a manic episode, they may not be able to focus on the task. They may find it difficult to focus, constantly getting distracted by anything and everything. And that is because in the manic state, all of their sensory perceptions are on hyper alert. That means that anything can distract them visually, sound, touch, whatever. It's all there in hypo in the in major, major, major ways. Their sensory perceptions are reaching out for anything and everything. Also, sexual desire, you know, being hypersexual is a common symptom of mania. And, and we have uh, millions and millions of love child children out there in the world because of this. Individuals experiencing this may seek out sexual interactions more than usual and may engage in more risky sexual behaviors as a result of the mania. And they likely will not be able to take accountability for what they did because they may not remember everything conveniently sometimes. Also, rapid thinking. That's another sign. They, they, they find that they're experiencing a lot of thoughts at once. Their thoughts are uncontrollably racing. And this may not always be noticeable when observing someone from the outside. But as they may not be uh, talking any quicker, but on the inside, they may be having several repetitive thoughts that they cannot handle. Rumination over and over and over and over again is another sign of bipolar manic behavior. Also, risky behaviors. 
they also engage themselves in more risk-taking things like excessive involvement in pleasurable activities that have a high potential for painful consequences. This can include spending more money than usually, gambling, drinking, taking drugs, going on, on dangerous ATV tours or whatever. This all stuff can take place in these manic states and things can happen that we would regret for the rest of our lives. All right. We're going to take another break. We're going to talk about more of these things that indicate a manic state. So come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about mania. And, you know, during a, a, a manic episode, there's all kinds of signs and ways that that mania will manifest itself. One of them is grandiosity. And some people may experience unrealistic feelings of grandiosity. And that's an exaggerated sense of importance, especially over other people. People experiencing grandiosity, they, they believe they're more powerful, knowledgeable. They feel like they're superior to everybody else. And so we have to look at that and go, wow, why is this person taking all the air in the room? Also, suicidal thoughts. So when they come down and they crash, after they've been all this uh, grandiosity and everybody saw them at this high level of power and, and, and attention getting, people experience, many may experience very low moods of hopelessness, feeling worthless, feeling like they could never get back to where they were. And this could result in thoughts of death and suicide. That's called pain management. And a lot of people that go down that path of suicide are going down the path of pain management. They cannot find anything to make them feel better. And so desperately looking for a solution, they stare at suicide and then they begin giving everything away. And then they get back into a a level of grandiosity and then they off themselves. And nobody understands how they would leave on a high note rather than a low note. But that's how they do it. Oftentimes, some leave on the low note. Um, but it, it's it's sad, it's horrible, and hopefully we can get in the way of it as quickly as we can as in the psychological community and as families. Also, excessive religious dedication. This is another sign of manic behavior. Uh, someone usually displays th- this 
this can be a link back to the symptom of grandiosity sometimes, like the feelings uh, could be accompanied by religious overtones, such as an individual believing that they're sent by a religious entity or they're something close to God or they received a message from Jesus or a message from God. Again, they heard it, heard God's voice. And all of a sudden, they're thunderously seeking churches and then playing big roles in churches, trying to be in front of people, trying to get in front of people, maybe going to the courthouse and billowing all of their uh, protestations about religion and God. You know, you never know. But these manic states often find themselves searing around the orbit of religiosity. Also, they don't often need sleep. Often, people with mania find it difficult to sleep, and this may do to symptoms of being energetic, uh, experiencing rapid thinking, irritability. They're thinking so much, and their brain is going so fast that they have a hard time relaxing and allowing themselves to sleep. Plus, they're afraid they're, they're going to lose their creative edge at any moment, so they want to stay awake as long as possible to enjoy this manic state. You know, and and sleep problems are common for those who have bipolar with manic episodes leading to sleep problems. And those sleep problems exacerbate the brain. So, for instance, if you get less than, let's say, five hours of sleep in a night, you may as well wake up drinking two beers because that's about where your brain's going to be. So you're already off kilter when you don't sleep. You know, uh, uh, also psychosis. What is that? Will they experience hallucinations such as seeing or hearing or smelling things that are not there? They also experience delusions of where they believe things may seem to be irrational to others. And so they have a tendency to lock in on their beliefs and their belief systems in that state. But that may not be their average thought. That's usually in their manic a uh, hypomanic type of grandiosity type of thinking that they own the all the truth and nobody owns any other truth but them. They have to be right all the time. No matter what the case, they will make an argument for that. You know, it's it's really hard to diagnose mania, but an individual can be evaluated through being asked a lot of questions. You know, there's there's a lot of outlines of how uh, to 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 reach that diagnostically. Inflated self-esteem, you know, talkative, uh, grandiosity, racing of thoughts, lack of sleep, you know, these uh, religious, you know, overtones, these kind of things that we've been talking about are some of the ingredients that lead a practitioner to diagnose a bipolar disorder or a manic state. You know, maintaining a sleep schedule is how we get back to normal. When we can get a person back to maintaining a sleep schedule, they are less likely to ignite off into a manic state. So trying to go to bed at, t at the same time, wake up around the same time can help keep moods more stable. Also, reducing stress at home and work. You know, if you're able to, it would be advised to keep regular working hours to avoid getting too stressed, making time to relax, do an activity, have boundaries, enjoy you know, to what what's enjoyable to you, what you're passionate about with your family, with yourself. Enjoy those activities and make room for that. Also, keeping a mood diary is critical for people of any kind of manic states in their life. If you keep track of a mood daily, it can help you see where there are patterns headed towards a manic episode. So if you notice your mood changing significantly or warning signs of a mood about to change, 
they can seek treatment earlier. And how do you do that? Well, maybe you do that on what's called a Likert scale. Maybe what you know what your manic things are, and so you check in with, am I sleeping? Am I, am I feeling uh, uh, more myself than usual? Am I doing crazy things? Am I talking too fast? All these things we want to scale out on a 1 to 5, 1 to 10 Likert scale and just do that every day and have your set of questions that you're able to reduce down and deduce whether you're headed for a manic state. Also, drugs or alcohol, if you're going to do that and you're going to play around with the especially excessive amounts of it, you, you're, you're headed always towards a manic state. You're going to always be a threat of a manic state because that's exactly what can throw you into a manic state or exacerbate in a manic state. You know, alcohol and drugs can interfere with sleep and mood. It's not advisable to consume these if you are at risk of mania. It's just not a good idea to have that in your life. And also, you want to have support, support networks. It may be uh, useful to get help from friends and family members. Some people go to a thing called Celebrate Recovery, which is not a bad idea because it's a group of people that are all addicted to different things. And if you have manic states in your life, maybe it's not a bad idea to experience other people that have the same issue or other issues and how they deal with it. So let's step back and, and really understand that we have to understand the signs if we're going to cure mania. And we also have to understand the type of thoughts that we have that gets us into a bipolar state. And so, you know, uh, mania, once again, is, is characterized by sustained period of unusually elevated irritable mood, increased energy, rapid thoughts, extreme exaggerated behavior, and itself is not a disorder, but it's part of another condition. And that, and that condition can be, once again, bipolar, hypomania, uh, manic depressed. It also can have a lot to do with people with addictive behaviors. And so if we look at the, the, the extreme talkativeness, the rapid speech, racing thoughts, paranoia, irritability, excessive spending, high levels of energy, engaging in risky activities, dramatic alterations to experiences, uh, needing uh, for a uh, reduced need of sleep, heightened confidence, self-esteem, overconfidence. You know, if, if it's not dealt with, these episodes re re result in negative consequences and they result in us having lack of trust in our relationships with the people that love us. And so they have to be faced head on by the person who goes through this so everybody can help them. People living with conditions that cause mania can help prevent manic episodes. If you track the symptoms and if you're diligent about your own self-care and if you care about the people who love you, you will manage it. You will take in and go, hey, I have this issue. Over time, I need to be more aware of how this thing creeps up and how to control it and how to do a better job managing. Am I going to prevent it? Probably not. Is it going to creep in? Probably yes. Do I need to talk about it? Absolutely. Do I need to admit it? Absolutely. We need to know that we are responsible for our own mania when we do that. Maintaining a, a consistent schedule with both daily activities as well as sleep, eating good foods, cutting back on alcohol, 
Drugs, being aware of the effects of intensity or high sensitivity activities on your mood, like going to a concert might trigger it. Going to some kind of event, sporting event might trigger it. You never know. When we hit that high, you want to keep on that high. And bipolar people, manic people, they love the high. And so they know when that happens because their brain is just popping with dopamine and serotonin. And it's they're so st- starved of it normally in life that when they get it it's like a big it's a big drug that's entered their system that makes them feel happy you know there are many misconceptions about how people live with bipolar and how they think and they act you know some folks may relate to experience through stereotypes and um you know they're often wrong you know if more people knew how people with bipolar thought, it would help greatly understand and have compassion for that mental illness. It could also greatly help those who care about someone with a bipolar disorder. You know, it's, it's very important for us to know what these things are. So let's look, number one, at a category that's a big category of mania. It's called cyclical thoughts. And cyclical means that they'll start off high at the beginning of the cycle with positive rational and productive work ethic but when we're in a low mood they may fall into uh, fail to meet deadlines or 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 be filled with anxiety or experience uh, self-deprecating thoughts and all of a sudden they can't get out of bed on time they can't do anything on time and they struggle and and thinking in cycles causes consistency in anything to be majorly difficult because these cycles can be productive and unproductive, but they're so unpredictable that it's hard for us to have feel like we can be one steady person if you're entering into a, a manic state. And so, you know, the, the, we don't know how long the state's going to last. We don't know how long our, our productivity is going to be affected. And so many people will grab for the mania as much as they can and train themselves to hit the mania more often than they hit the depression. Nobody likes to live in depression. Depression is filled with unmet expectations, which creates a very negative narrative about yourself. When you're in a highly productive state, of course we feel better. Of course we get a lot done, but sometimes we overdo it and box other people out of our life and make very, very silly decisions that will affect the whole breadth of our life for the rest of our lives. And, and moods fluctuate. In manic states, drastically through throughout, you know, even the teenage years. Teenagers have bipolar, and some days they're full of energy and extreme enthusiasm, and they carry themselves with confidence. And on others, they feel exhausted, hopeless, overwhelmed, don't want to go to school, don't want to put on their clothes, don't want to take a bath. They're deeply discouraged about their life. Teenagers actually hormonally are bound to hit more manic states simply because of their hormonal imbalance as they're growing through their teenage years and getting through puberty. And then you load them with estrogen and and testosterone, and boy, do we get a big mess on our hands. And that's where the hyposexuality comes in. And that's where little babies come in with 16-year-old mommies. You know, we got to get a grip on understanding mental health in this country. And one of the things that's driven our mental health down is the enormity of COVID. It's unbelievable that our government and our country and our world allowed this thing to operate our life for as long as it did. Yes, people died. Yes, people were vulnerable. Now people are having heart attacks that got the stupid shot. 
And it's just crazy how this whole world has come about. I'm not opposed to the shot. I'm not I'm not opposed to, you know, masks and all that crap. But what I'm trying to say is why did we let this run our lives and destroy our mental health and our school systems and everything else? There's just a lack of awareness in this country. We just want to bury our head and forget anything that makes any common sense whatsoever. Also, depression is another ingredient. And it influences more negative and hopeless thinking in a manic state. And during a depressive episode, feelings of hopelessness, helplessness, low self-worth can lead to view things in a negative light. And that is hard to live with. It's hard for people to hear it because they become so, just like when they get in the manic on the high end, they get manic on the low end. And they are like worse than Eeyore. And it's like walking around with a brick, you know, it's just very, very, very dull and very hard to work with. But bipolars have a tendency and people in manic states, especially if they go into depression, go into real deep depression. And that's why my friends, medication and having a really good psychiatrist and a really good psychologist is not a bad idea for a bipolar person. Depression in bipolar 2, which is the milder version of of bipolar can feel like it's never going to end, like you have no control of your life. Makes you feel like you should just just give up on your goals. You know, one of the the major uh, depressed characters in Winnie the Pooh was Eeyore. If you think about Eeyore, that's about a hypomanic there, functional but depressed, flat, dysthymic, nothing. Don't have much to give, don't have much to take, don't really care, just do what you got to do. That in itself can also be an ingredient of bipolar 2. Manic episode is a really distinct period of abnormal elevated moods with energy, excessive engagement, grandiosity, racing thoughts, decreased need for sleep, lasting for several days to a week. Also, those racing thoughts negatively impact a person's ability to focus or complete tasks because they're so overstimulated, overstimulated, crazy stimulated. And, and they're always seeking, 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 and mostly the time they're seeking trouble. And so, you know, self-harm is also a big ingredient of bipolar 1 and bipolar 2 and, and uh, uh, manic depressed. Um, some get this in their early 20s and 30s, and it really shows up in those periods. And, and, uh, and a lot of people in those pockets get some uh, anorexia or self-harm or overweight. They, they have a tendency to not manage their lives at all and feel like they're out of control, but they're too proud to try to face what's actually happening for them from a, a, a mental health perspective. You know <clears> – <throat> A lot of people think about suicide as far back as they remember, and they didn't know that it was wrong because they've been di bi bipolar or manic for so long, and they've had this in their life for so long that they thought suicidal thinking was a normal thing, and it's not a normal thing. When your mind tells you that it'd be okay to harm yourself or cure yourself, that's really serious. That's a moment when you need to seek help. Everybody gets sad. But, you know, you're, the, the, the act of suicide in itself, even contemplating the act of suicide in itself, shows that you have a manic feature within your personality because suicide is a manic act. Absolutely a manic act. Anybody commits suicide has mania in them to some degree on a spectrum. 
And so you have to come to grips with that, that that is a mental illness that has to be faced. All right, we're going to take another break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about narcissism that comes through the mania. So come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about mania. Yes, mania. You know... There's a lot of experts out there that found that some key features of bipolar and narcissism overlap. And and these include setting high, sometimes unattainable goals, being very impulsive. As a result, people with bipolar often also have a narcissistic personality disorder. And guess what? There's no drugs for that one. It's also a debate over how much the conditions overlap or if they're actually occurring separately. So most people say that both conditions occur separately, but that people with bipolar disorder may present narcissistic personality traits. And so, uh, you know, to get for an example, a person may present signs of narcissism during mild to moderate hypomania. They may particularly show grand perceptions of themselves. The person with bipolar disorder experiencing such a mood probability uh, probably doesn't have the narcissistic personality disorder. Instead, they they display narcissism during one or some of their moods. However, a narcissistic personality can't take responsibility for anything in their life. And everybody is gaslighted to believe that they're crazy in their life, and they're the crazy one. 
and they're the crazy maker, but they can't take accountability for that. And they want to make your life as crazy as possible. They don't want to purposefully, but they just do by the nature of no accountability in this life whatsoever for anything that they do. And yes, if they know they're bipolar, oh, well, I'm bipolar. So that's just what it is. And you know, I have an excuse. I can kill somebody and I'm bipolar. So I don't have the mental capacity. You know, I could run somebody over. I could, I could have a traffic accident. It's not my fault. I'm bipolar. No, it's no excuse. You have to manage it. You're responsible. Not everybody in the world is responsible for your problem. You are responsible for your problem. And if you're a narcissist, why don't you learn to take responsibility for your life beginning today? You know, mania and hypomania, abnormally upbeat attitude, wired, jumpy, energetic, increased activity, easily agitated, an exaggerated sense of well-being and self-confidence, decreased need of sleep, Extreme talkativeness, racing thoughts, easily distracted, poor decision-making. That's mania and hypomania. Now, what's major depressive disorder? Depressed mood, a loss of interest or pleasure in almost all activities, significant weight loss or gain, or decreased appetite, or increased appetite. Insomnia, sleeping too much, that may be an ingredient, loss of energy, restlessness to slow down behavior. Now, you know, oh, also along with the depression, is feeling of worthlessness or guilt or lack of uh, concentration, indecisiveness, thinking about planning or attempting suicide. There's some other there's other ingredients here. Anxious, distressed, melancholy, psychosis, you know, but those with a nice narcissistic disorder also add some more ingredients to the bipolar mania. Those with a narcissistic personality will also do an abnormally large sense of self-importance, expecting to be recognized as the superior without reason or warrant uh, or, or even treatment, exaggerating their own talents and past achievements, feeling preoccupied by fantasies about success, power, intelligence, good looks, the perfect mate. They think they're superior and can only be associated and understood by people with equal superiority. So they have the need for constant admiration, especially from people that they would normally admire. They also want feel like they're entitled, expecting others to give special favors and comply with their expectations. They also take advantage of others to get what they want. They also have an inability or, or being unwilling to recognize the needs and feelings of other people, being jealous of others, believing that other people envy them, act out arrogantly and haughty. So you add that on to a narcissist and a bipolar, holy crap, holy, you've got a hurricane. You've got a typhoon walking around. And yes, anybody in their life is just going to be swirling around like a bunch of garbage because that's all they are to a narcissist is garbage. People to be used. Everyone has a different personality. That personality usually doesn't change much over time. But your personality may be less or more intense some days, but it doesn't change. And that's what we want to have in our life. But, you know, the people with bipolar disorder and narcissism, they display their narcissism at more certain times during uh, manic and hypomanic episodes. And so those around them may not notice their narcissism all the time because they only see it exacerbated during the manic episodes. And so they don't realize that there's milder forms of narcissism and manipulation. So you, what you want to do if you're going to do therapy, if you're going to do self-therapy, if you're going to try to help yourself is manage your moods. 
and your narcissistic tendencies. Face them straight up. Reduce the intensity of your manic and hypomanic episodes. Work on narcissism and therapy with, 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 to, until you can become somewhat able to recognize what narcissism looks like and what, how it comes across. It's especially important for those with both conditions to, to understand the causes of their emotions. The one thing that can be of, of, of a total detachment from our soul during a manic episode and during narcissism is the fact that they lack compassion for others. They love compassion for themselves, but they lack compassion for other people. Or if they do show compassion, they do show it in an exaggerated and inconsistent way that will suit their needs and get what they want out of another person. You know, it, it'd be nice if people that suspected that they had some form of mania would actually have an honest conversation with a friend, a family member about mania and how it affects them or hypomania. Ask them questions about their experiences with you. Listen, actually listen to what they have to say and talk openly and you can improve your understanding of the things they're like for other people to be in your life if you're a manic person. This also builds trust so that your friend or family member feels more comfortable talking to you about their experiences in the future to ask for help if they need it. You know, if someone has experienced this kind of stuff, mania, hypomania, they will often have the idea of what helps them and what doesn't. So ask how you can help a person that is experiencing this stuff. It might be helpful to work with them. Work with them, and, and, and if you're manic, work with your friend or family member because they're around you more often. They know what the morning signs look like. They know when their life is in chaos because your life is in chaos. They know how you affect them. Isn't it nice to be able to understand how we can neg negatively affect other people and how they have to circle their life around us rather than live the life that they were born to live? That's what happens with these folks. Narcissism and bipolar will suck you dry. They will suck the soul straight out of your body and spit you out into the world never to be seen again. That's how they operate. They don't do it purposefully. It's not like they're evil. It's just they're out of touch with their soul. They're out of touch with people. And they can't help it. They're born that way from a bipolar, and they're formed that way during childhood because how their parents neglect them. That's why narcissists think they know everything because they had to raise themselves. So they figure, I learned everything the hard way. And you don't know any better because you haven't been through what I've been through because my parents didn't care about me. So I had to do everything myself. I made up my mind. I figured it out. I did my own research. And guess what? I know everything now in this lifetime. You know nothing because you don't have the experience that I have. I, being the narcissist, can save you time, save you from the world, save you from complications, and save you from all kinds of crap. So that's how a narcissist operates. And then you throw them in a manic state. Holy crap. Holy. Woo. Yes. All right, so try not to make assumptions. Try to be understandable. Be worried about potential signs of it. That calls for being humble. Humble. It's important to not to question every time somebody is in a good mood. It's completely normal for everyone to have ups and downs. They might find it frustrating if someone starts to worry every time they have a good day. It might be help to, to look for consistent signs and patterns that they're becoming unwell. You know, if they start talking over you, talking fast, if they start getting overly excited, if they start being hyperdramatic or grandiose or his histrionic, which is a derivative of hysteria. And yes, those are good signs that they're headed that direction.
And so sometimes when they feel like they're the life of the party, it's really hard for them to unplug from being the life of the party. You know, if someone's very unwell, they may behave in a difficult and challenging way. They may not see their behavior as a problem. But it's okay for you to set boundaries about what you can and cannot tolerate, what you will and will not do with them. It's very important for us to set boundaries for ourselves. When they're not willing to set boundaries, when they're not willing to follow our boundaries, we do have to execute our boundaries in a way that helps them, not hurts them, but helps them. Maybe preserve our finances, maybe preserve ways in which they can or cannot get into our checking account. Maybe disciplining children is not the best idea today. You know, maybe uh, uh, having a deep, dark conversation is not the moment. Maybe doing homework with your children is not the best time to do that with that person. You know, you have to manage it. You have to ebb and flow with the bipolar. You know, getting the right care and support can be really hard, particularly for your unwell, because you're in the middle of it. So friend and family members are a great resource to get you to help. And, and there's all kinds of treatments out there. There's all kinds of self-help techniques that can help you. But you want to, if you're going to be a manic person, you want to plan for crisis. And you want to have a crisis plan that explains what to do if someone becomes unwell. And this would include who to contact, what to do, when, when would be appropriate time to consider hospital, agree to this advance in a written copy so that everybody has something to stare at. It can become it, it sometimes really challenging to support one someone, and it's common to feel overwhelmed at times. So it's important to remember to look after your own mental health too. So set boundaries. Don't, don't take too much on. If you become unwell yourself, you won't be able to offer much support. It's also important to decide your limits and how much you are able to help and what triggers you into manic states so you know how much to manage as far as giving or taking. And you also want to share your caring role with others. And you want to talk to others about how you feel. These are early warning signs. These are important things to understand. You know, some early warning signs, once again, is like uh, not keeping commitments or sticking to a schedule, overspending, inflated self-esteem, grandiosity, risk-taking, feeling euphoric when, you know, uh, uh, irritability, restlessness, um, talking rapidly. You know, this is all early signs that a manic thing is about to happen. And so we want to stick to a budget and agree to a budget and manage a budget outside of ourselves if we have manic states. We want someone else to partner with us and to also keep track of our uh, spending. You also want to have a log of how much sleep you're getting. Maybe get one of those watches that tracks it and to what depth of sleeping that you're getting in because you want to get into that REM stage of sleep where your actual brain can process your emotional energy. You know. So looking at all these factors of mania, it's all important, and, and many people have mania and hypomania and don't even recognize it because they have negative connotations attached to it. All right, that's our show. I want to thank everybody for listening. I, I love hearing from you, and you can do that at voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember, menstruation, menopause, mental illness – you have to notice how all women's greatest issues start with men. 
Also, going to college with 18-year-old freshmen at a fraternity is like one never-ending manic episode. Also, if you want to know who is bipolar, just look around the grocery store and witness various hair colors. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 